The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 1, Section 19. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 19, Volume 1 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Sir Richard Burton. When it was the twenty-sixth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the young merchant continued. When I entered and took a seat, the lady at once came in, crowned with a diadem of pearls and jewels, her face dotted with artificial moles in indigo, her eyebrows pencilled with coal, and her hands and feet reddened with henna. When she saw me, she smiled in my face, and took me to her embrace, and clasped me to her breast. Then she put her mouth to my mouth, and sucked my tongue, and I did likewise, and said, Can it be true, O my little darkling, thou art come to me? Adding, Welcome and good cheer to thee. By Allah, from the day I saw thee, sleep hath not been sweet to me, nor hath food been pleasant. Quoth I, Such hath also been my case, and I am thy slave, thy negro slave. Then we sat down to converse, and I hung my head earthwards in bashfulness. But she delayed not long, ere she set before me a tray of the most exquisite viands, marinated meats, fritters soaked in bees' honeys, and chickens stuffed with sugar and pistachio-nuts, whereof we ate till we were satisfied. Then they brought basin and ewer, and I washed my hands, and we scented ourselves with rose-water musked, and sat down again to converse. Then she began repeating these couplets. Had we wist of thy coming, thy way had been strewn with the blood of our heart and the balls of our sight, our cheek as a footcloth to greet thee been thrown, that thy step on our eyelids should softly alight. And she kept plaining of what had befallen her, and I of what had betided me, and love of her got so firm hold of my heart that all my wealth seemed a thing of naught in comparison with her. Then we fell to toying and groping and kissing till nightfall, when the handmaidens set before us meats and a complete wine-service, and we sat carousing till the noon of night, when we lay down and I lay with her. Never in my life saw I a night like that night. When morning morrowed, I arose and took leave of her, throwing under the carpet-bed the kerchief wherein were the dinars, and as I went out she wept and said, O oh my Lord, when shall I look upon that lovely face again? I will be with thee at sunset, answered I, and going out found the donkey-boy, who had brought me the day before, awaiting at the door. So I mounted ass, and rode to the Khan of Masrur, where I alighted, and gave the man a half-dinar, saying, Return at sunset. And he said, I will. Then I breakfasted, and went out to seek the price of my stuffs, after which I returned, and taking a roast lamb and some sweetmeats, called a porter, and put the provision in his crate, and sent it to the lady, paying the man his hire. I went back to my business till sunset, when the ass-driver came to me, and I took fifty dinars in a kerchief, and rode to her house, where I found the marble floor swept, the brasses burnished, the branch-lights burning, 
the wax candles ready lighted, the meat served up, and the wine strained. When my lady saw me, she threw her arms about my neck, and cried, Thou hast desolated me by thine absence. Then she set the tables before me, and we ate till we were satisfied, when the slave-girls carried off the trays, and served up wine. We gave not over drinking till half the night was past, and being well warmed with drink, we went to the sleeping-chamber, and lay there till morning. I then arose and fared forth from her, leaving the fifty dinars with her as before, and finding the donkey-boy at the door, rode to the khan and slept a while. After that I went out to make ready the evening meal, and took a brace of geese with gravy on two platters of dressed and peppered rice, and got ready colocasia roots fried and soaked in honey, and wax candles and fruits and conserves, and nuts and almonds and sweet-scented cowers, and I sent them all to her. As soon as it was night I again tied up fifty dinars in a kerchief, and mounting the ass as usual, rode to the mansion, where we ate and drank, and lay together till morning, when I threw the kerchief and dinars to her, and rode back to the khan. I ceased not doing after that fashion, till, after a sweet night, I woke one fine morning, and found myself beggared, dinarless and dirhamless. So I said to myself, All this be Satan's work, and began to recite these couplets. Poverty dims the sheen of man, whate'er his wealth has been. E'en as the sun about to set shines with a yellowing light, Absent he falls from memory, forgotten by his friends. Present he shareth not their joys, for none in him delight. He walks the market shunned of all, too glad to hide his head. In desert places tears he sheds, and moans his bitter plight. By Allah, mid his kith and kin, a man, however good, Waylaid by want and penury, is but a stranger wight. I fared forth from the Khan, and walked down between the palaces street, till I came to the Zuwaila port, where I found the people crowding, and the gateway blocked for the much folk. And by the decree of destiny I saw there a trooper, against whom I pressed unintentionally, so that my hand came upon his bosom pocket, and I felt a purse inside it. I looked, and seeing a string of green silk hanging from the pocket, knew it for a purse, and the crush grew greater every minute, and just then a camel laden with a load of fuel happened to jostle the trooper on the opposite side, and he turned round to fend it off from him, lest it tear his clothes, and Satan tempted me, so I pulled the string and drew out a little bag of blue silk, containing something which chinked like coin. But the soldier, feeling his pocket suddenly lightened, put his hand to it and found it empty, whereupon he turned to me, and snatching up his mace from his saddle-bow, struck me with it on the head. I fell to the ground, whilst the people came round us, and seizing the trooper's mare by the bridle, said to him, "'Strikest thou this youth such a blow as this for a mere push?' But the trooper cried out at them, "'This fellow is an accursed thief!' Whereupon I came to myself, and stood up, and the people looked at me and said, Nay, he is a comely youth, he would not steal anything. And some of them took my part, and others were against me, and question and answer waxed loud and warm. The people pulled at me, and would have rescued me from his clutches. But, as fate decreed, behold, the governor, the chief of police, and the watch entered the Zuwila gate at this moment, 
and seeing the people gathered together around me and the soldier, the governor asked, "'What is the matter?' "'By Allah, O Emir,' answered the trooper, "'this is a thief. I had in my pocket a purse of blue silk lined with twenty good gold pieces, and he took it whilst I was in the crush.' Quoth the governor, "'Was any one by thee at the time?' And quoth the soldier, "'No.' Thereupon the governor cried out to the chief of police, who seized me, and on this wise the curtain of the Lord's protection was withdrawn from me. Then he said, Strip him, and when they stripped me, they found the purse in my clothes. The wali took it, opened it, and counted it, and finding in it twenty dinars, as the soldier had said, waxed exceeding wrath, and bade his guard bring me before him. Then said he to me, Now, O youth, speak truly. Didst thou steal this purse? At this I hung my head to the ground, and said to myself, If I deny having stolen it, I should get myself into terrible trouble. So I raised my head, and said, Yes, I took it. When the governor heard these words, he wondered, and summoned witnesses who came forward and attested my confession. All this happened at the Zawila gate. Then the governor ordered the link-bearer to cut off my right hand, and he did so, after which he would have struck off my left foot also, but the heart of the soldier softened, and he took pity on me, and interceded for me with the governor, that I should not be slain. Thereupon the wali left me, and went away, and the folk remained round me, and gave me a cup of wine to drink. As for the trooper, he pressed the purse upon me, and said, Thou art a comely youth, and it befitteth not thou be a thief. So I repeated these verses. I swear by Allah's name, fair sir, no thief was I. Nor, O thou best of men, was I a bandit bred. But fortunes change and chance o'erthrew me suddenly, And cark and care and penury my course misled. I shot it not, indeed t'was Allah shot the shaft, That rolled in dust the kingly diadem from my head. The soldier turned away after giving me the purse, and I also went my ways, having wrapped my hand in a piece of rag, and thrust it into my bosom. My whole semblance had changed, and my colour had waxed yellow from the shame and pain which had befallen me. Yet I went on to my mistress's house, where, in extreme perturbation of spirit, I threw myself down on the carpet-bed. She saw me in this state, and asked me, "'What aileth thee, and why do I see thee so changed in looks?' And I answered, My head paineth me, and I am far from well. Whereupon she was vexed, and was concerned on my account, and said, Burn not my heart, O my lord, but sit up and raise thy head, and recount to me what hath happened to thee to-day, for thy face tells me a tale. Leave this talk, replied I. But she wept, and said, Meseems thou art tired of me, for I see thee contrary to thy want. But I was silent, and she kept on talking to me, albeit I gave her no answer, till the night came on. Then she set food before me, but I refused it, fearing lest she see me eating with my left hand, and said to her, I have no stomach to eat at present. Quoth she, Tell me what hath befallen thee to-day, and why art thou so sorrowful and broken in spirit and heart? Quoth I, Wait a while, I will tell thee all at my leisure. Then she brought me wine, saying, Down with it, this will dispel thy grief. Thou must indeed drink, and tell me of thy tidings. I asked her, 
perforce must I tell thee? And she answered, Yes. Then said I, If it needs must be so, then give me to drink with thine own hand. She filled and drank, and filled again, and gave me the cup, which I took from her with my left hand, and wiped the tears from my eyelids, and began repeating, When Allah willeth aught befall a man, who hath of ears and eyes and wits full share, his ears he deafens, and his eyes he blinds, and draws his wits e'en as we draw a hair, till, having wrought his purpose, he restores man's wits that warned more circumspect he fare. When I ended my verses I wept, and she cried out with an exceeding loud cry, What is the cause of thy tears? Thou burnest my heart. What makes thee take the cup with thy left hand? Quoth I, Truly I have on my right hand a boil. And quoth she, Put it out, and I will open it for thee. It is not yet time to open it, I replied, So worry me not with thy words, For I will not take it out of the bandage at this hour. Then I drank off the cup, and she gave not over plying me with drink, until drunkenness overcame me, and I fell asleep in the place where I was sitting. Whereupon she looked at my right hand, and saw a wrist without a fist. So she searched me closely, and found with me the purse of gold, and my severed hand wrapped up in the bit of rag. With this such sorrow came upon her as never overcame any, and she ceased not lamenting on my account till the morning. When I awoke, I found that she had dressed me a dish of broth of four boiled chickens, which she brought to me together with a cup of wine. I ate and drank, and laying down the purse, would have gone out, but she said to me, Whither away? And I answered, Where my business calleth me? And said she, Thou shalt not go, sit thee down. So I sat down, and she resumed, Hath thy love for me so overpowered thee, that thou hast wasted all thy wealth, and hast lost thy hand on my account? I take thee to witness against me, and also Allah be my witness, that I will never part with thee, but will die under thy feet, and soon thou shalt see that my words are true. Then she sent for the Kazi and witnesses, and said to them, Write my contract of marriage with this young man, and bear ye witness that I have received the marriage settlement. When they had drawn up the document, she said, Be witness that all my monies which are in this chest, and all I have in slaves and handmaidens and other property, is given in free gift to this young man. So they took act of this statement, enabling me to assume possession in right of marriage, and then withdrew, after receiving their fees. Thereupon she took me by the hand, and leading me to a closet, opened a large chest, and said to me, See what is herein. And I looked, and behold, it was full of kerchiefs. Quoth she, This is the money I had from thee, and every kerchief thou gavest me, containing fifty dinars, I wrapped up and cast into this chest. So now take thine own, for it returns to thee, and this day thou art become of high estate. Fortune and fate afflicted thee so, that thou didst lose thy right hand for my sake, and I can never requite thee. Nay, although I gave my life, twere but little, and I should still remain thy debtor. Then she added, Take charge of thy property. So I transferred the contents of her chest to my chest, and added my wealth to her wealth which I had given her, and my heart was eased and my sorrow ceased. I stood up and kissed her and thanked her, and she said, 
thou hast given thy hand for the love of me, and how am I able to give thee an equivalent? By Allah, if I offered my life for thy love, it were indeed but little, and would not do justice to thy claim upon me. Then she made over to me by deed all that she possessed in clothes and ornaments of gold and pearls, and goods and farms and chattels, and lay not down to sleep that night, being sorely grieved for my grief, till I told her the whole of what had befallen me. I passed the night with her, but before we had lived together a month's time, she fell sorely sick, and illness increased upon her, by reason of her grief for the loss of my hand, and she endured but fifty days before she was numbered among the folk of futurity, and the heirs of immortality. So I laid her out, and buried her body in Mother Earth, and let make a pious perfection of the Koran for the health of her soul, and gave much money in alms for her after which I turned me from the grave, and returned to the house. There I found that she had left much substance in ready money and slaves, mansions, lands, and domains, and among her storehouse was a granary of sesame seed, whereof I sold part to thee, and I had neither time nor inclination to take count with thee, till I had sold the rest of the stock in store, nor indeed even now have I made an end of receiving the price." So I desire thou balk me not in what I am about to say to thee. Twice have I eaten of thy food, and I wish to give thee as a present the monies for the sesame which are by thee. Such is the cause of the cutting off of my right hand, and my eating with my left. Indeed, said I, thou hast shown me the utmost kindness and liberality. Then he asked me, Why shouldst thou not travel with me to my native country, whither I am about to return with Kyrene and Alexandrian stuffs. Say me, wilt thou accompany me? And I answered, I will. So I agreed to go with him at the head of the month, and I sold all I had, and bought other merchandise. Then we set out and travelled, I and the young man, to this country of yours, where he sold his venture, and bought other investment of country stuffs, and continued his journey to Egypt, but it was my lot to abide here, so that these things befell me in my strangerhood, which befell last night. And is not this tale, O king of the age, more wondrous and marvellous than the story of the hunchback? Not so, quoth the king, I cannot accept it. There is no help for it but you be hanged, every one of you. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the twenty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the king of China declared, There is no help for it, but you be hanged, the reeve of the sultan's kitchen came forward and said, If thou permit me, I will tell thee a tale of what befell me just before I found this gobble, and if it be more wondrous than his story, do thou grant us our lives. And when the king answered, Yes, he began to recount the reeve's tale. Know, O king, that last night I was at a party, where they made a perfection of the Koran, and got together doctors of law and religion, skilled in recitation and intoning. And when the readers ended, the table was spread, and amongst other things they set before us was a marinated ragout, flavoured with cumin seed. So we sat down, but one of our number held back and refused to touch it. We conjured him to eat of it, but he swore he would not and when we again pressed him, he said, 
Be not instant with me, sufficeth me that which hath already befallen me through eating it. And he began reciting, Shoulder thy tray, and go straight to thy goal. And if suit thee this coal, why use this coal? When he ended his verse, we said to him, Allah upon thee, tell us thy reason for refusing to eat of the cumin ragu. If so it be, he replied, and needs must I eat of it, I will not do so, except I wash my hand forty times with soap, forty times with potash, and forty times with gallangale, the total being one hundred and twenty washings. Thereupon the hospitable host bade his slaves bring water and whatso he required, and the young man washed his hand as aforementioned. Then he sat down, as if disgusted and frightened withal, and dipping his hand in the ragu, began eating, and at the same time showing signs of anger. And we wondered at him with extreme wonderment, for his hand trembled, and the morsel in it shook, and we saw that his thumb had been cut off, and he ate with his four fingers only. So we said to him, Allah upon thee, what happened to thy thumb? Is thy hand thus by the creation of God, or hath some accident befallen it? O oh, my brothers, he answered, it is not only thus with this thumb, but also with my other thumb, and with both my great toes, as you shall see. So saying, he uncovered his left hand and his feet, and we saw that the left hand was even as the right, and in like manner that each of his feet lacked its great toe. When we saw him after this fashion, our amazement waxed still greater, and we said to him, We have hardly patience enough to await thy history, and to hear the manner of the cutting off of thy thumbs, and the reason of thy washing both hands one hundred and twenty times. Know then, said he, that my father was chief of the merchants, and the wealthiest of them all in Baghdad city, during the reign of the Caliph Harun al-Rashid, and he was much given to wine-drinking, and listening to the lute, and other instruments of pleasance, so that when he died, he left nothing. I buried him, and had perfections of the Koran made for him, and mourned him days and nights. Then I opened his shop, and found that he had left in it few goods, while his debts were many. However, I compounded with his creditors for time to settle their demands, and betook myself to buying and selling, paying them something from week to week on account. And I gave not over doing this, till I had cleared off his obligations in full, and began adding to my principal. One day, as I sat in my shop, suddenly and unexpectedly, there appeared before me a young lady, than whom I never saw a fairer, wearing the richest raiment and ornaments, and riding a she-mule, with one negro slave walking before her, and another behind her. She drew rein at the head of the exchange bazaar, and entered, followed by an eunuch, who said to her, O oh, my lady, come out and away without telling any one, lest thou light a fire which will burn us all up. Moreover he stood before her, guarding her from view, whilst she looked at the merchant's shops. She found none open but mine, so she came up with the eunuch behind her, and sitting down in my shop saluted me. Never heard I aught fairer than her speech, or sweeter than her voice. Then she unveiled her face, and I saw that she was like the moon, and I stole a glance at her, whose sight caused me a thousand sighs, and my heart was captivated with love of her, and I kept looking again and again upon her face, repeating these verses. Say to the charmer in the dove-hued veil, 
death would be welcome to abate thy bale. Favour me with thy favours that I live. See, I stretch forth my palm to take thy veil. When she heard my verse, she answered me, saying, I've lost all patience by despite of you. My heart knows nothing save love plight to you. If aught I sight save charm so bright of you, my parting end not in the sight of you. I swear I'll ne'er forget the right of you, and fain this breast would soar to height of you. You made me drain the love-cup, and I leaf a love-cup tender for delight of you. Take this, my form, where'er you go, and when you die, entomb me in the sight of you. Call on me in my grave, and hear my bones, sigh their responses to the shrite of you. And were I asked, of God, what wouldst thou see? I answer, first his will, then thy decree. When she ended her verse, she asked me, O youth, hast thou any fair stuffs by thee? And I answered, O my lady, thy slave is poor, but have patience till the merchants open their shops, and I will suit thee with what thou wilt. Then we sat talking, I and she, and I was drowned in the sea of her love, dazed in the desert of my passion for her, till the merchants opened their shops, when I rose and fetched her all she sought to the tune of five thousand dirhams. She gave the stuff to the eunuch, and, going forth by the door of the exchange, she mounted mule and went away, without telling me whence she came, and I was ashamed to speak of such trifle. When the merchants dunned me for the price, I made myself answerable for five thousand dirhams, and went home drunken with the love of her. They set supper before me, and I ate a mouthful, thinking only of her beauty and loveliness, and sought to sleep, but sleep came not to me. And such was my condition for a whole week, when the merchants required their monies of me, but I persuaded them to have patience for another week at the end of which time she again appeared mounted on a she-mule, and attended by her eunuch and her two slaves. She saluted me and said, O oh, my master, we have been long in bringing thee the price of the stuffs, but now fetch the shroff and take thy monies. So I sent for the money-changer, and the eunuch counted out the coin before him, and made it over to me. Then we sat talking, I and she, till the market opened, when she said to me, Get me this and that. So I got her from the merchants whatso she wanted, and she took it and went away, without saying a word to me about the price. As soon as she was out of sight, I repented me of what I had done, for the worth of the stuffs bought for her amounted to a thousand dinars, and I said in my soul, What manner of love is this? She hath brought me five thousand dirhams, and hath taken goods for a thousand dinars. I feared lest I should be beggared through having to pay the merchants their money, and I said, They know none other but me. This lovely lady is naught but a cheat and a swindler, who hath diddled me with her beauty and grace, for she saw that I was a mere youth, and laughed at me for not asking her address. I ceased not to be troubled by these doubts and fears, as she was absent more than a month, till the merchants pestered me for their money, and were so hard upon me, that I put up my property for sale, and stood on the very brink of ruin. However, as I was sitting in my shop one day, drowned in melancholy musings, she suddenly rode up, and dismounting at the bazaar gate, came straight towards me. When I saw her, all my cares fell from me, and I forgot every trouble. 
she came close up to me and greeted me with her sweet voice and pleasant speech, and presently said, Fetch me the shroff and weigh thy money. So she gave me the price of what goods I had gotten for her, and more, and fell to talking freely with me, till I was like to die of joy and delight. Presently she asked me, Hast thou a wife? And I answered, No, indeed, I have never known woman, and began to shed tears. Quoth she, Why weepest thou? Quoth I, It is nothing. Then, giving the eunuch some of the gold pieces, I begged him to be go-between in the matter, but he laughed and said, She is more in love with thee than thou with her. She hath no occasion for the stuffs she hath bought of thee, and did all this only for love of thee. So ask of her what thou wilt, and she will deny thee nothing. When she saw me giving the dinars to the eunuch, she returned and sat down again, and I said to her, Be charitable to thy slave, and pardon him what he is about to say. Then I told her what was in my mind, and she assented and said to the eunuch, Thou shalt carry my message to him, adding to me, And do thou whatso the eunuch biddeth thee. Then she got up and went away, and I paid the merchants their monies, and they all profited. But as for me, regret at the breaking off of our intercourse was all my gain, and I slept not the whole of that night. However, before many days passed, her eunuch came to me, and I entreated him honourably, and asked him after his mistress. "'Truly she is sick with love of thee,' he replied, and I rejoined, "'Tell me who and what she is.' Quoth he, "'The Lady Zubaydah, Queen Consort of Harun al-Rashid, brought her up as a reeling, and hath advanced her to be stewardess of the harim, and gave her the right of going in and out of her own sweet will.' She spoke to her lady of thee, and begged her to marry her to thee. But she said, I will not do this till I see the young man, and if he be worthy of thee, I will marry thee to him. So now we look for the moment to smuggle thee into the palace, and if thou succeed in entering privily, thou wilt win thy wish to wed her. But if the affair get win, the lady Zubaydah will strike off thy head. What sayest thou to this? I answered, I will go with thee, and abide the risk whereof thou speakest. Then said he, As soon as it is night, go to the mosque built by the Lady Zubaydah on the Tigris, and pray the night prayers, and sleep there. With love and gladness, cried I. So at nightfall I repaired to the mosque, where I prayed and passed the night. With the earliest dawn, behold, came sundry eunuchs in a skiff with a number of empty chests, which they deposited in the mosque. Then all of them went their ways but one, and looking curiously at him, I saw he was our go-between. Presently in came the handmaiden, my mistress, walking straight up to us, and I rose to her and embraced her while she kissed me and shed tears. We talked a while, after which she made me get into one of the chests, which she locked upon me. Presently the other units came back with a quantity of packages, and she fell to stowing them in the chests, which she locked down, one by one, till all were shut. When all was done, the eunuchs embarked the chests in the boat, and made for the Lady Zubaydah's palace. With this, thought began to beset me, and I said to myself, Verily thy lust and wantonness will be the death of thee, and the question is, after all, shalt thou win to thy wish or not? And I began to weep, boxed up as I was in the box, and suffering from cramp and I prayed Allah that he deliver me from the dangerous strait I was in. 
whilst the boat gave not over going on till it reached the palace gate, where they lifted out the chests, and amongst them that in which I was. Then they carried them in, passing through a troop of eunuchs, guardians of the harem, and of the ladies behind the curtain, till they came to the post of the eunuch-in-chief, who started up from his slumbers, and shouted to the damsel, "'What is in those chests?' "'They are full of wares for the Lady Zubaydah. "'Open them, one by one, that I may see what is in them.' "'And wherefore wouldst thou open them? "'Give me no words, and exceed not in talk. "'These chests must and shall be opened.' "'So saying, he sprang to his feet, "'and the first which they brought to him to open "'was that wherein I was. "'And when I felt his hands upon it, "'my senses failed me, "'and I bepissed myself in my funk, "'the water running out of the box.' Then said she to the eunuch-in-chief, O steward, thou wilt cause me to be killed, and thyself too, for thou hast damaged goods worth ten thousand dinars. This chest contains coloured dresses, and four-gallon flasks of zemzem water, and now one of them hath got unstoppered, and the water is running out over the clothes, and it will spoil their colours. The eunuch answered, Take up thy boxes, and get thee gone to the curse of God. So the slaves carried off all the chests, including mine, and hastened on with them, till suddenly I heard the voice of one say, Alack and alack, the caliph, the caliph! When that cry struck mine ears, I died in my skin, and said a saying which never yet shamed the sayer, There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah, the glorious, the great. I, and only I, have brought this calamity upon myself. Presently I heard the caliph say to my mistress, a plague on thee what is in those boxes and she answered dresses for the lady zubaydah whereupon he open them before me when i heard this i died my death outright and said to myself by allah to-day is the very last of my days in this world if i come safe out of this i am to marry her and no more words but detection stares me in the face and my head is as good as stricken off then I repeated the profession of faith, saying, There is no God but the God, and Mohammed is the Apostle of God. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 19